Welcome to Bald Business, the naked truth in entrepreneurship. Let's begin. All right, so today I'm here with Greg Winnereg, uh, author, entrepreneur, business owner. I uh, got a lot, got a lot of things going on. I'm super excited to have this conversation with you today. So, um, thanks for being here. First, and I'm happy to be here. Thanks for asking. Well, I guess thanks for allowing me to come to you. <laughs> Fair enough. In this awesome office. Um, so let's start just at the beginning. Like, yeah. tell us a little bit about you, who you are, what you're doing, what you have done, uh, and then we'll kind of dive into some of the some of the more detailed things today about entrepreneurship, the journey, mm-hmm. um, how it's not easy, and, and how people can still fight through and carry on. Yeah, well, you know, I was really blessed because I was raised in a family that had an entrepreneurial thinking and background. Okay. So I was raised in a little town of 3,000 um, in Indiana, and my dad and my uncle, his brother, owned mm-hmm. a restaurant. Cool. I was raised in the restaurant business, super hard work, and you really got to be smart to make money in a restaurant because right. everybody knows the restaurant that is something new every six months. All right. But this restaurant uh, in this little town put my brother and myself and my cousins through college. Awesome. And so um, none of us, uh, my brother or I or my cousins wanted to take the restaurant over. Mm. Um, I graduated from dental school in 1981. Okay. And many classmates went into a residency or the military or an associateship. And I'm like, I'm going to have my own place. Awesome. So I actually had the practice purchase signed by Thanksgiving of my senior year of dental school. Okay. Didn't have a license for seven months, but I was like all excited. And I told my wife, well, you know, they can have my 1974 Grand Prix and all the pots and pans from our wedding if this doesn't work out. <laughs> so you were already married at this time. I was married. Okay, I'd cool. been married for a year. Awesome. Uh, and so I opened this office in a small town in Indiana. And um, I love, you know, your naked truth yeah. theme. Yeah. Because the naked truth is owning your own business is hard. Yeah. And even though I was raised in the restaurant business, I mean, there that did not translate over into dentistry. Some stuff does, but not. Yeah. Not so I had about sixty thousand dollars worth of consulting in the eighties. Okay. Uh, these are companies coming in and running a staff meeting and giving me advice and you know the toll free number help. Mm-hmm. But it, nothing really clicked for me until the spring of ninety two when I got basic business training. Okay. And I went to a company in Chicago that did nothing but. Basically, courses and seminars. That's awesome. Okay. Marketing, sales, um, organization, managing by statistics. Mm-hmm. And it was for dentists, vets, chiropractors, podiatrists, and optometrists. Okay. So just in that healthcare niche. Um, I got that data, and, and in 92, it was not doing well. It okay. was a recession. Mm-hmm. Numbers were down. It was operating underneath my break-even point, considering having to lay off staff and possibly work a day or two a week for somebody else because right. it was not good. But once I got the basics of business down, uh, in 12 months, I doubled, brought on an associate who became a 50% partner, trained an office manager, and I went from completely like stressed out of my mind to at age 38, semi-retired, working 20 hours a week. That's awesome. And so um, for me, it's about understanding the basics of business. Okay. You, As an entrepreneur, you've got to educate yourself. Mm-hmm. And nobody, the, the cool thing about this company is nobody came to my office and told me what to do. Like the the company you the hired. company I, the the company I hired okay is like do the course on basic organization we'll sit down with you and help you figure out some how to reorganize things and then just go do it and if you got trouble you can call us but mm-hmm. it's like I had the responsibility to go back to my place and do it right 
rather than just kind of robotically or mindlessly follow somebody else's advice. And that's that I that's how I justified the sixty thousand dollars in the eighties. I'm like, my wife is like, you're spending a lot of money. I'm like, listen, I know teeth, they know business, right? But that just didn't work. Yeah. So I had to learn business. I love it. I had to learn the basics. And today, my goodness, with the with the internet, <laughs> right. oh my God, listen, I know I'm dating myself. I turned 65 a couple of months ago. There, there were no computers and there were no cell phones yeah. in 92 and 93, yeah. you know? So it was a so, lot of Yeah, just grinding, and- yeah, <laughs> grinding it out, going to the, the courses and everything. So now with the online training, I mean, you can you know do it at home. A wild shift. In I'm your sure. pajamas, you know? Yeah. So at any rate... Um, uh, I was 38, lots of energy, and was looking for another location okay. in the county. And, uh, for, the the part, den- for the dentistry. For the, for the dental office, okay. uh, because I was only working 20 hours a week, and it right. was a little boring. Um, and I did have a system figured out now that I knew I could mm-hmm. replicate. Mm-hmm. And um, the partners at the management company heard about my goals to expand my dental office, and they had kind of uh, did their own data analysis and the most profitable, best result clients were the dentists, other than the other professions. Okay. They're like, we need, we need a dentist as a partner then because, you know, one's background was in accounting and the other's mm-hmm. background in management. And so anyway, they offered me a partnership. Awesome. And so I took them up on it. And in December of 93, I sold my shares in my practice and moved to Chicago. And uh, that company today, uh, in 2003, we moved it to St. Petersburg, Florida. And today, we're arguably the largest of its kind in North America. That's awesome. Uh, we've got a 55,000-square-foot training center, a seminar hall that holds 400, um, a large library-type area mm-hmm. to study the courses, uh, which we had 20 courses. And um, we have a second location in Anaheim. We have 90 staff in St. Pete, 10 in Anaheim. And just in a random roundabout way, um, we started an office in Bogota, Colombia last year. Oh, cool. We have three staff there, 30 clients down, 20 to 30 clients down there now. And um, I kind of joke that I'm easily bored. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I told my partner, I'm like, I want to restructure some things because I want to go off and help general business. Mm. So four years ago, I kind of semi-retired from that. I still shoot video, online video, training mm-hmm. for a platform and such. I'm only there like three or four days a month. Mm-hmm. And then my kids and I started Matterhorn Business Development. Okay. And it's business training and one-to-one mentoring for the general business owner. I love that. And when so, you say general business owner, what do you Any mean? business. Okay. Any business. We Right now we have, we do have a couple of chiropractors, but we just picked up an air conditioning company, a landscaping company, um, residential um, architect. Uh, so it's... Anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an attorney, a painter. Right. So just anybody who needs help in their business. And what's really awesome is um, my original idea, my original model was companies doing kind of a minimum of $2 million to $20 million, mm-hmm. kind of in that zone. Right. But kind of where we've migrated, where there's a huge need, is smaller companies doing under a million. Mm. So of all of our clients right now, uh, they're all doing under a million, except for one. That's awesome. um, we do have one client that we've had now for two years, who we've taken from six forty uh, to one point two million oh, in those awesome. two years. Doubled. We've doubled, yeah. so we took him over the million mark. I love it. And we're on track this year. Even during COVID, we're on track for like one point six, one point seven. Awesome. So anyway, um, it, it it really 
is interesting, and this COVID time is is playing it out. Mm-hmm. I've been through, like as a kid in 1973, and as a high school, there's an oil embargo, mm-hmm. and I'm waiting in line for gasoline. Okay. You know, I've been through uh, 21% interest rate in 1981. Yeah, that's true. Like the loan to get my dental practice was at 19.5. Wow. And that's like a bad credit card today, but that yeah. was a good rate because Prime was 21. Wow. And then, you know, you've got... You're just cycles that business yeah. goes through, the real estate cycle, the stock market cycle, the gold cycle. I mean, everything just kind of like it's up, it's down, and you ride the wave. Right. But but small business owners can always figure it out. Yeah. So something that you said a, a couple seconds ago yeah. is, is my first question for you. So you went from restaurant yeah. into dentistry. Um, mm-hmm. Then you went from dentistry into kind of almost like a consulting right. type with the, with that company, and now yeah. and now that's kind of what you're doing full for time business, yeah. for small business or mm-hmm. for general business. Yeah. And one thing that I have found to be true over the last several years, and I, I kind of want you to speak to it for a yeah. moment because you're obviously doing it, mm-hmm. is there because you said it earlier. You said, "Well, the restaurant." business didn't really necessarily equate straight to dentistry, right. but there's a lot of similarities in business, which is why you can yeah. coach general business. Right. So can you talk about a few of the, just the common, like this is a standard business practice yes. that people are usually not getting right. Yeah. Well, and I do have a book that I wrote, um, I guess it was two years ago now, and uh, we launched it. It was an Amazon number one bestseller on its launch awesome. day, yeah. which is cool, and it's called Fun at Work. Yep. Uh, my rule is that if it's, if it's not fun, I'm not doing it. Okay. All right? But in the book, to answer your question, I did boil it down to what I call the four pillars of business basics. Okay. Okay? There's marketing. Mm-hmm. You have to have marketing to get leads. Right. There's sales. You have to be able to sell those leads. Yeah. There's delivery of the product or service that has to meet or exceed the expectations mm-hmm. that were sold. Mm-hmm. And then there's management, which encircles those three things and that holds the machine together and then allows it to expand. Got it. And I think a mistake uh, that many entrepreneurs are making today is mm-hmm. they're kind of looking for that silver bullet. Yeah. You know, they're looking for that marketing campaign that leads into the click yeah. funnel. Yeah. And then if I do the click funnel right, all I got to do is go to the bank and cash yeah. the check that comes in the mail. Yeah. And so it's actually. Much more than that, unless unless somebody is of the mind, I just want to click funnel, I want to go to the mailbox, I want to get my envelope, I want to take it to the bank, I don't want to expand, I don't want employees, mm-hmm. you know, so that's an entirely different business model. Right. But my preference is what I've been successful at, mm-hmm. is go into the business, figure it out, right. then make training packs with video or something in writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, instruction so that I can replace myself. Yeah. And so then I've, uh, in my book, I talk about how I specialize in replacing myself. Awesome. So I'll go out, I'll figure it out. Like in the practice management company, mm-hmm. uh, in 2008, it was awful. The crash, mm-hmm. um, the clients didn't want to spend money, prospects didn't want to fly into, Saint, into right. Tampa to come and see us. Right. So um, I took the show on the road and just had to pivot, I guess it's called, you right. know, recreate. Yeah. Uh, so I made this free one-day seminar that I started to do around the country. 
Wow. And so it's a one-day seminar. You get four and a half uh, continuing education credits, and most dentists need 15 to 20 a year. Got it. Show up. You get free credits on scheduling, expanding your hygiene department, et cetera, case acceptance. Smart. Uh, in 2009, 10, and 11, I was on the road 120 days a year. Wow. I would do a seminar in Newark on Thursday, Manhattan on Friday, and Long Island on Saturday. And then I would do uh, Cleveland, Detroit, and Chicago the next weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Because we had to do something because (laughs) we were getting no, literally no business. So, But the point is that um, it took me about a year Mm -hmm. to kind of figure out the pattern. Mm -hmm. And we definitely started making money right away because at the free seminar, we'd sell them a $1,000 service or a $10,000 service, depending on their courage level. And then I started taking successful clients and having them attend with a seminar in their area. They'll take a okay. client from New York and they'll go with me for three days. Awesome. And after they watch me for a couple of times, then they'll start doing parts and pieces of the seminar. Cool. So it took me six to nine months mm-hmm. to get about a half a dozen people trained up all around the country. Yeah. And um, so today is uh, 2020. I haven't done one of those meetings since 2012. That's awesome. Uh, that program ended up doubling the company. Over the nice. next next three to five years, the mm-hmm. statistics took off. So that's what being an entrepreneur is. Right. It's it, figuring it's a, it out. It's figuring it out. But but again, just, just to emphasize and answer your question, yeah. the basics are marketing, mm-hmm. sales, delivering at least, if not more than what was promised, right. and then organizing and managing, and then that's how you can scale it. So that pattern applied to the dental practice. By the age of 38, I was working 20 hours a week making more money than I ever made. Right, right. Because I figured it out, trained the people on the system. Right. Uh, at the dental practice management company, you know, I've been there for 25 years and I'm there three to five days a month mm-hmm. because we have this whole machine. Right. You executed, executed. what you had to execute. And I will tell you, I will tell you the, the number one key to scaling mm-hmm. is you have to find managers that can do it. The, the, the chief operations at the management company and the deputy chief operations are the glue that holds the whole machine together. Got it. Okay. And so you have to be always looking for your replacement. Mm-hmm. You have to be looking for somebody who's passionate about your goal, passionate about the product, passionate about the service, and then they come on and then you have to tell them your plan for them. Got it. So listen, Michael, my plan here is I got this going, but I, I can't do this by myself and build it. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be in charge of that. You want to play that game with me. Got it. And so in my dental practice, for example, um, the two staff that I had were fabulous, but mm-hmm. they didn't want to do the training because right. of family commitments. Right. And so I hired a patient who had never worked in a dental office. That's awesome. And I sat down with her for about a half an hour, and I told her about my vision. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well... I can do that. I'd like to do that, but I've never done anything in dentistry. But don't worry, we'll train you. Yeah. Within ninety days, she was running the whole show. That's awesome. So, so she got excited about the vision, of course, about the game, of course. So let's 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 talk about that for a second. Yeah. While we're there, right? Yeah. Um, vision in general. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of times, I think that we start businesses because we have a, a somewhat of a vision or at least a direction that we want to go. But then we get caught up in these things like the, oh, well, this marketer did this in 30 right. days, or this person did this in two weeks. Again, that silver bullet is just getting distracted, right? right? How important is it to, number one, remind yourself of your vision regularly, and then number two, how do you keep it in front of yourself so you don't lose sight of it when, when all these, because no matter what, quick fixes in life are going to constantly pop up. Yeah. How do we stay focused on the long term? So that's a great question. It's in my book. 
Okay. Uh, I think the I think the graphic is on page sixty six. Okay. By the way, uh, Fun at Work is available on Amazon, um, audiobook, Audible. Awesome. Uh, but I have a diagram, and so if you can imagine a pyramid, mm-hmm. the the foundation of the pyramid is what I call basic purpose. Okay. Now your basic purpose is is the basic purpose of the business, mm. not your basic purpose for starting the business. Maybe to have a Ferrari, which is fine. Right. I'm not against Ferraris, although I drive a Corvette. <laughs> but <laughs> the basic purpose has nothing to do with you. Okay. Zero percent. To do with you. Okay. The basic purpose is about the customer. Mm. Who's your customer and what problem are you solving? Mm-hmm. That's it. So, you know, my mom makes these great, incredible granola food bars, and the kids always say, Grandma, you should start your own business. <laughs> you can make a lot of money. Well, if you start a business to make a lot of money, it's not going to be much fun as soon as you hit a barrier. Yeah. But if you're starting a business and it's a granola bar and it's healthy and, you know, your market is now going to be keto without the carbs. And so then you have a basic purpose of helping people have a healthy snack and right. keep their it's blood. It's a process. It's a process. Yeah. So, then, so then in the book, because, you know, you can listen to other authors and speak. Simon Sinek is a, is a great guy. Absolutely. You know, the why and all of that. Mm-hmm. But you need to find your why. But my problem, your mission statement, right. my problem is like, okay, well, where do I start with that? Yeah. So in my book, I have a template. Okay. And the template is very, very simple. So my basic purpose is to help blank. Mm. So if I'm a vet, mm-hmm. a veterinarian, right. my basic purpose is to help cats and dogs. Now, I can be a vet and only do large animals. Right. So my basic purpose is to help large animals. So in that first statement, you're identifying your targeted market. Mm-hmm. So my basic purpose is to help blank, let's say dogs and cats, who live in blank. And now mm-hmm. we identify the geographic zone. Mm-hmm. So here we can say Pinellas County. Right. Right? Achieve what? Achieve longer life, better health, mm. um, happier for their owner. So you achieve blank. Mm-hmm. And then by providing blank. So at the end, this is the service. Right. So initially, you're identifying your targeted market. Mm-hmm. You're identifying the geographic zone. You're identifying the problem that you're going to help them solve. Right. And you're identifying how you're going to help them solve that problem. So, so that's the basic purpose. That's the foundation of, of everything. Right. When you say that, it seems simple. It is. Right. <laughs> Why do we overcomplicate it? Well, that's a really good question, and you know, I've I've gone down many rabbit holes in my career. Right. Believe me, not everything I've touched is no big I, gold. No, well, I think that's, know, I can tell you about reality. Right. I can tell you about the hundred thousand dollar idea that my accountant and I had that cost us each a hundred grand, and after two years of eighty hour weeks, we gave up on it. Um, but. It gets complicated because I think, and I'll, and I'll go back to the dental consultants. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm paying at the time, you know, fifteen hundred or two thousand a day, which was a lot of money in the eighties. Mm-hmm. And they come in with these policies and these platitudes, and if you don't do it like this, but then you really don't get it because it's kind of complicated, right? And so, um, what I've finally figured out over, you know, basically now forty years in business is the simpler it is, the better. Mm. Because if it's complicated, and I'm the only one that understands it, mm-hmm. I'm trapped. Yeah, I'm now stuck inside the business. That's hard to teach. It's hard to teach. Mm-hmm. And I think, and this is just my opinion, I think consultants come in with complexities mm-hmm. 
so that you always need them. Ah. Year after year, you need them. Well, you listen, Michael, you don't worry about that. That's why you're hiring me. Right, right. And I am completely 100% opposite. Got it. Like, Michael, all my tips are in my book. Yeah. Now, if you want to hire me to, like, mentor you on a one-to-one basis, right. great, then I'll be happy right. to help you, but it's all in the book. Right. I'm just going to give you some more ideas, et cetera. So I, I don't know, I, and I don't want to make it sound sinister at all. Of course. Uh, it of is course. a business model yes. of if you can have 20 people mm-hmm. giving you $1,000 a month and... That's two hundred forty thousand a year. Right. That's a pretty good life. Yeah. Absolutely. Why am I going to hire staff? Why am I going to expand? Right. Besides, they need me. Right. So, and then the other thing, I I think it has to do with trying to elevate yourself above someone. Mm. Um, I'm the only one that figured this out. Oh, if you want that secret, then you're going to have to, you know, whatever. Gotcha. And I'm just like, hey, I'm an open book. Right. Right. <laughs> so well, I, I think I think that's. I think that's helpful for people that you work with. Yeah. I just think that in general, we take, so like even in this conversation, right? You're giving great advice. Mm-hmm. Somebody listening, uh, or even we just say me, for example, maybe I take something that you say and then I go try to analyze it. And then I just overcomplicate the whole thing because instead of just doing the steps yeah. and like, like this is literally, who do you want to serve? Like yep. instead of like, well, what does that exactly mean? And right. What type of person? I mean, it's just, I think it starts so basic, but yes. we overcomplicate it. Exactly. So. Exactly. And you know the other thing that's interesting, and I actually just had this realization during this whole COVID mess, mm-hmm. because we're in our space share today, but we got booted out in April. Okay. I mean, the building was closed. Yeah. To everyone. Right. And so we actually, Abby and Neil and I had to just sit down and say, well, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we kind of came to some conclusions where we're going to go in this direction and then we're going to go in that direction. And it's really kind of because uh, you're bringing up a very good point. Um, as business owners, we get in our way mm. and we overthink it. Of course. Way too much. Of course. And I do have a chapter in the book about the fear of failure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're afraid of failure, you're never going to start. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm really into motor racing. Okay. And cool. um, I, you know, but we've been going to the Indy 500 ever since I was, you know, young. Yeah. And um, the amazing thing to me is they know every time they get in that car that they could die. Wow. Yeah, that's true. And, but they can handle it. And I actually had the opportunity uh, through a charity event I, at an auction, I was able to donate to Easter Seals and get a position on a pit crew, an Indianapolis 500 pit crew. Oh, wow. What was that like? In, uh, oh, it was incredible. <laughs> awesome. It was incredible. You know, when, the, when the, the car pulls into the pit and they bump up against the sign, yeah. I was the guy with the sign. <laughs> there was a mark in the concrete, Greg. Put it sign right there. That's awesome. Uh, it was so much fun. Yeah, I bet. It was, you know, practice on Friday, qualification Saturday. It was at Michigan International that weekend, Roger Penske's cars. Al Unser Jr., Mary, uh, Emerson Fittipaldi, and Michael Andretti finished one, two, three. They qualified at 242 miles an hour. It was wow. amazing. My driver the next year was killed in Indianapolis. He had a one-year-old, and it was sad. Yeah. But, you know, the drivers, as they're doing that, they're like, it's worth the risk. This is what I do. This is right. how I'm going to live my life. Right. And so... Everything's um, about risk tolerance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then... So then, obviously, when you start a business, you're not going to die, mm-hmm. all right? But it is risk tolerance. Like, mm-hmm. what am I willing to give up? Well, when I started my practice, I was willing to give up everything. Right. You know, 
the, my 1974 Grand Prix and the pots and pans. Well, that was all that I had. Yeah. But then I had to fight as, you know, I got my Corvette and I got my airplane and I got the nice house. Mm-hmm. I, had to, I had to resist that um, temptation to be careful. Okay. Unwilling to take that next step. Right. And so, like when I sold my practice, uh, I was going into this field that I had experience as a client, but I didn't have experience right. as a trainer. Of course. And... Um, so, I mean, but I was willing to risk that. Mm-hmm. I, I did have a fail-safe. I could always go back. Now, there was a restrictive covenant. I couldn't go back to my county, all mm-hmm. of that. I could always go back to dentistry. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to, but I had to be willing. So, it, it is risk tolerance. Right. And so, it, it, it really boils down to me, to your passion about the basic purpose. Got it. I'm okay. very passionate about this. Yeah. And our clients are just doing so great. I love you know, it. We, we have three clients that we signed up last year whose revenue in ni- 2019 was under $100,000. Each of them was around $75,000. Mm. So one of those uh, has gone from $7,000 a month to right – well, by we signed them up in October, $7,000 a month. In May, they did twenty five. Wow, that's awesome. The landscaper. Then he got the $175,000 bid on the seawall, which is going to roll out profit for the next 12 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, residential architect and engineer, 6000 a month. Two months later, fourteen. Backed it up with another 14000 a month. That's awesome. So um, it, it's about what we are very passionate about at Matterhorn is the purpose of helping entrepreneurs solve problems. Right, yeah. And then we're going to guide them along their vision, their basic purpose, not one Right. That we give not, them. Yeah, not something that you're telling them to do or right. change or whatever. So, Michael, so. let me tell you what this business is going to do. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, I mean, I think that, I think, and there's two other major things that I want to ask you about yeah. today, but just real quick to stop yeah. there, I think that that's where we start getting lost because you hire a marketer, you hire somebody who's like, hey, I'm going to give you 800 leads, yeah. and all of a sudden they're telling you, well, this is how you have to promote it. This is right. how you have to, mm-hmm. this is the offer you have to put out there. Yep. And I think that people then start getting frustrated with that process because, totally. because it's no longer mine. It's no longer what I wanted. Yep. It's what you have kind of just dictated. I mean, I'll just give be. you an example. With Matterhorn, we've hired five mm-hmm. social media companies who mm-hmm. specialize in social media to give us leads. Mm-hmm. Why did we hire five? Because number one didn't get it. Number two didn't get it. Number three. Oh, by the way, number five didn't get it either. Uh, so then we've just decided um, we're going to have to figure it out for ourselves. Yeah. So that's what we're doing, and we're researching, and right. we're doing our own online courses right. for how to expand. Training yourself. Training ourselves. Yourself. Educating ourselves. the first thing that we right said today. The very first thing. <laughs> and there, there's an awesome book that I'm diving into right now by Donald Miller called mm-hmm. Building a Story Brand. Yeah. And My wife loves that book. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, the guy's it a genius. Yeah. And so that's what we're designing our whole marketing plan around right now. Awesome. And he's got a course, so, you know, signed up for the course. Right, and so it's right. like I'm always learning. I love but it. But then, see, I can translate that and pass that down onto my clients. And then mm-hmm. if they want to embrace it, then I'd say go buy this book, go do this course, right. get your own knowledge. Because the last thing I want is the client's success to be dependent on me. Right. So... <clears throat> Right now, we're in really weird times. It's really weird. Um, COVID, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of rabbit holes that people can go down with that. But one thing that I feel like is true is, and you've kind of alluded to it earlier, right? You've been through the thing that happened in the 70s. You've been through the thing that happened in the 90s, the thing that happened in 08. And I do remember the 07, 09 time frame, obviously. I mean, I was working professionally. But I feel like that was more like 
it, it, it affected more industries than others. So mm-hmm. like as a, as a standalone trainer at the time, I really wasn't overly affected um, yeah. by the times. Mm-hmm. Right now, it seems like everybody is affected except maybe some of your biggest players. And I think that that can be um, kind of disheartening to mm-hmm. small businesses, right? Mm-hmm. But I think the light at the end of the tunnel or the hope that I like to give people is like, look, things go up and down. Right. Right. So can you talk for a minute maybe on what it felt like to be in some of those other positions? Did it feel similar to this? Was it completely different? Were there some similarities? And then obviously on the rebound, what are the opportunities like? Well, that's a great question because um, it boils down really to the mindset of the owner. Mm. Okay? Mm -hmm. You can never, ever blame your problems on the environment. Love it. Um, For example, in 1992, there was a recession. Mm -hmm. Bill Clinton had just taken over from George Bush the first. Mm -hmm. The strip mall that I was practicing in, in this little town of 10,000, there were only three grocery stores in town. People would drive from around the county to go to the big grocery store. So that's in my strip mall. Well, it was family owned. Mm -hmm. The brothers sold it. One had a heart attack. One had a stroke. The kids wanted nothing to do with the grocery business. They sold it to a chain. First thing the chain did was purchase property across the road and move. Mm. They built a grocery store bigger than the whole strip mall. Wow. Within six months, we lost the bookstore, the bridal store, and the five and dime. I'm at the south end. The public laundromat is at the north end and 100,000 square feet in the middle empty. Wow. So I can blame my location. Mm-hmm. I can blame the economy. I can blame the election. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in a farm town. Farmers don't care about their teeth. Right. You know, I, can, I had all these reasons, and I had them. And on day one, when I arrived at the management company, I sat down with my the, the very first person I met, and I'm like, no, nah, dude, it's you. Problem is you. You don't know what you're doing in business. I'm like, yeah, I'm a dentist. Yeah, but you better <laughs> learn business, or you're not going to be a dentist for very long. Right. You know? Right. And so it was like, that was like a, an ice water dip. So um, Just pushed you in. <laughs> yeah. 12 months later, the practice more than doubled. Mm. The strip mall was still empty. 93, the economy didn't turn around. Right. And I figured it out mm-hmm. on the four pillars of business basics. I started marketing. I learned how to get patients to accept what they needed rather than only what the insurance covered. Mm-hmm. I delivered at least what I was selling, if not more than. Mm-hmm. And then I organized and managed the place for efficiency. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, this is one of the coolest stories of my life. Awesome. So um, I had to borrow money. I I was not paying my bills, and I had to borrow money from my friend at the bank who sang in the church choir. His name is Glenn. Small town. (laughs) Yep, small town. Glenn, I need money to do this program. He's like, Greg, that's a lot of money. Yeah. And he says, what do you know about this company? Well, they've been around for three years. I'm like, Greg, I don't know, man. I'm feeling kind of nervous. This is a lot of money to, like, are you okay with this? I said, Glenn, if they take all my money and go to Canada tomorrow, I'll pay you back. So he gave me the loan. Wow. I started doing the training. So then when you have a loan with the bank, they want to see your profit and loss. Of course. So I I got that loan in April of 92. And in February of 93, I sent him the profit and loss from my account. He called me. One day my office manager comes and says, Glenn's on the phone. And I looked at him and said, did we bounce a check? (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong? (laughs) Exactly. So I get on the phone. He's like, Greg, I'm sitting here. I'm looking at your profit and loss statement. Now, remember, there's a recession. Right. I'm like, yeah, is there a problem? He goes, you had a really good year. It's a double. <laughs> yeah. And 
And I'm like, yeah, it was really cool, huh? I got my associate in here now, and I'm working right. part-time. And he goes, how did you do this? I said, you remember that loan you gave me back in April? <laughs> I said, really? He, he wanted to come over and look yeah, at what I had done because yeah. I've got my organizational chart. And I've got my statistics. He said, Greg, as near as I can tell, I mean, first of all, everybody's happy to just do what they did last right, year. Of course. Yeah, and you double it. Everybody's like, okay. Everybody's okay to just maintain, yeah. just like crossing their fingers. They didn't go down. Right. He said, well, as near as I can tell you, the fastest growing business in the county. That's awesome. So, so I've experienced this. Mm -hmm. And there's always opportunity. Mm -hmm. There's always opportunity. I love it. Like these clients that we picked up, the chiropractor is up 37% since January. I've got the chiropractor in Bend, Oregon now. I've only been working for two months doing numbers like he has never, mm -hmm. ever done before. So first of all, as an entrepreneur, you have to look inside. What can we do? Mm -hmm. What can we do? Matterhorn statistics uh, nearly doubled during COVID. Wow. What can we do? Right. All right. We could go, woe is me. We lost our space. We mm. can't even meet. Right. You know, in Florida, we're like, we couldn't even meet with the family. Right. Well, then we're going to figure out Zoom, aren't we? Right. Yeah. You know, and so there's always something as an entrepreneur. Now, the exception to that is we do have a client in Ohio, a little town of Oxford, Ohio, where Miami of Ohio is, mm -hmm. uh, who had a restaurant. He, he's closed. Mm. He's completely closed. He can open now. But he can't find anybody to work because the unemployment check, they're making more weekly to not work than to work. Yeah, of course. So uh, he had a very small cleaning company with about 10 hours a week of cleaning that he mm -hmm. had one part-time person. He's hiring like crazy with his cleaning company. Wow. Um, Just shifted. He's shifted, uh, working on a $40,000 bid right now for this big regular monthly job. That's awesome. Uh, cleaning the apartments that the students abandoned in the spring and they... You know, the walls need painted and repaired, and so he's got a painting company, and a so he pivoted. Yeah. And so now he's doing fine. Right. But so there are going to be circumstances like the restaurant business is, is rough. But, you know, along that line in New York, um, the, the governor said, if you're a bar, you have to close mm -hmm. unless you serve food. Right. So there's a bar that now serves potato chips, and they call them <laughs> Cuomo chips. So every drink... That's solid. Every drink comes with a dollar basket of Cuomo chips. That is awesome. So they're selling that's food. That's so, that's, so there's always a way, yep. and I always say this, the kids laugh at me every time I say it. Mm -hmm. the, politician that is not, the politician has not been born that can outsmart the entrepreneur. I love that. And, you know, it applies to, to auto racing. Mm -hmm. uh, the cars are going too fast, and so NASCAR comes in. We're making the spoiler less, and, right. you know, you, this regulation, that regulation. We just take Rick Hendricks and his team into their wind tunnel, give them 90 days. They're going faster than they were before. Right. So, so the entrepreneur that's willing to, like, look in, figure it out, mm -hmm. what can we do, what new problem is there? I'm, mm -hmm. I won't get off the into the weeds. There's an entirely unserviced area of dentistry right now that mm -hmm. I'm starting a new company. We're running the pilot this weekend. I love that. It's going to be killer. <laughs> it's going exciting. to be killer. Yeah, that's but exciting. it's a problem. So there's mm -hmm. always problems to solve right. for the public. And if you are in an industry, like if, if you were selling DVDs and you didn't see the live streaming coming, right. you're out of business. Right. All right. So if you weren't foresightful enough to get into the live streaming aspect of it, okay, right. well, 
Okay, so it's like we, we don't need horse and buggies anymore. Of course. You better have gotten into automobiles if you want to stay in transportation. So right. you always have to like be thinking. Now, in this shifting time, things mm. shift faster than ever before. Of course. If your industry becomes antiquated, well, then shift into something else. But don't shift into something where you're not solving a problem. Right. Right, and or, you know, or you're not passionate about. You're not it passionate about yeah. it. You definitely got to be passionate about yeah, it, and so you're going to lose excitement. I, I I watch very little television. Yeah, I watch athletic events, and really athletic events and Shark Tank. Hey, athletic are- events, movies, and Shark Tank. That's the only thing I use my <laughs> my TV for. And Shark Tank is so awesome because, and if you don't watch that, you need to watch like a whole season. Mm. Just sit down, and there's three or five presentations and yeah. each and and you'll start to see a pattern and the people who get no deal are the ones that show up and they are convinced in their heart that their product solves a problem mm. and in five years they've sold ten thousand dollars worth of product mm-hmm. well if it really solved the problem it would go viral if it really solved the problem people would tell their friends about it mm. and so the the entrepreneur is very passionate and within the first seven minutes Definitely no more than 10. One of the sharks are going to go, what's your sales? Mm-hmm. And after sales, what's your margin? Mm-hmm. Is there any profit? Right. And so that's what it boils down to. So you cannot get all wrapped up in your, and they'll stand there and they'll convince, no, 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 people need this. I guarantee right. this is going to be big. And they're like, yeah, well, we're not convinced because you haven't sold it. Right. Yeah. Well, that's where I need your help. Nope. Sorry. Yeah. yeah you got. Yeah. You got to be able to convince others of the vision, and that's, that's sometimes and, tough. And if there's no, like, it can be a vision for you. My point is, if it's not solving a problem for the public, then of course you can't sell it. Right. Yeah. 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 Even if you're bad at sales, you're going to sell to somebody if it solves a problem. Of course. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So, so the last major thing for today, yeah. um, just because I don't want to take up so much of your time, but it sounds like through our conversation, yeah that you have constantly always looked to quickly add team members, yes. add people underneath you, mm-hmm. add staff, whether it's family or friends or you know, just yeah. hiring processes. Can we talk for a minute or can you talk for a minute on how important that support system is? Because essentially building a team is a support system, right? Whether for it's sure. at home with your wife and kids or whatever, or whether it's at the job, for sure, you need that support system. So can we talk about that for a minute? Yeah, and the biggest mistake that... that many entrepreneurs make Mm -hmm. is they're unwilling to let go of some of their money Mm. to hire someone to do something that they can do better. Right. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And so, okay, well, if you're unwilling to let go of that money to hire somebody, then you better just plan on doing this for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. You're going to be a solopreneur. Right. Right. So if that's okay with you and that's part of your model, I'm fine with that, but don't complain about putting in 60 and 80 hour weeks. Mm-hmm. So number one, you got to be willing to hire somebody and you have to be willing to have them do it not as well as you. Now let, let's talk about dentistry because that's a touchy thing. Okay. You know, we're talking about, you know, drills and needles and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hated when my dentist first was like, hey, I'm getting somebody else. Uh, wait a minute. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a sensitive area. It's a sensitive area. <laughs> but then what I did when I brought my associate on because he did not have the years of experience and training, is I gave him stuff that he could do as well as me. Got it. So he did the pediatric patients, the children, the dentures, et cetera, Mm -hmm. and I kept those other services so he could then go ahead and follow up with me and go to where I went to get the training that I got. 
Got it. Et cetera. So then what you do, and, and I mentioned it earlier, so I wanted to get off the road 120 days a year. Of course. Well, I grabbed some clients yeah. who are already successful, who understood the purpose mm-hmm. of helping dentists run their own practice. They mm-hmm. were successful. Now they're having fun teaching others. Yeah. They got paid a daily rate to speak. They got paid a commission on what they sold. Yep. And so it took me six to nine months to train them. And then they spoke for 15 minutes on the most easy thing that I knew that they could lecture on. Awesome. And so it's a matter of apprenticing. See, this is what's mm-hmm. missing nowadays is apprenticing. Okay. That really is like, and you know, there, there's the sorcerer's apprentice or whatever, but right. then, you know, it, it, it used to be in the trades, you were apprenticed. Right. And yeah. it took you five years to become a master mason. Right. And all of that. Well, that's gone. I mean, things are moving way too fast. Yeah. So then what you need to do is develop your own apprenticeship program. Mm. And what Smart. I'm doing with, with say, the uh, painter, for example, all right, is like, dang, hiring is just such a disaster. Because I ask a guy if he can do this, I pay him to do that, I take him to the first job, and he's awful. Mm. So then we, we had him lay out his apprentice program, level one, level two, level three, level four, master painter. Mm-hmm. At level one, you're getting paid 10 to 12.50, 10 dollars to 12.50. Mm-hmm. You want to raise? Good. Learn how to do level two skills. Mm. You get a raise. And so now, the, the next hiring cycle, he had it all written down. He sat down with people and said, so, so where, where are your skills? I'm here. Okay, so you can see the pay range is that. Mm-hmm. Is that okay with you? If it's not, they move on. Right. You know? And then what he did is like, so I'm going to pay you this tentatively. Uh, you're, gonna, you're, uh, you're working with me for the next week. you got to show me that you can do that. Got it. So they'd be willing to take a pay cut. Right. Smart. But it was so easy for him to hire then. He just showed him the paper. Right. These are the skills. This is the pay. You want a pay raise? Good. Go up to that. Right. And so it, that's an apprentice program. So you have to think now with apprenticing. Mm-hmm. And you do have to be willing for them to not do it as well, not do it as fast. Right. But then you come back around with quality control. You tidy it up. And if there's something that they missed, you don't fix it for them. You show them how to fix it. And you mm-hmm. stand there and watch them fix it. Got it. So it's the apprenticing. That's smart. That's, that's I missing. Think, I, yeah, I think that I love that idea. Um, and correct me if you think I'm off here, but mm-hmm. I think that part of the reason why we don't do that or we've gotten away from that as a society is because we're too impatient. Completely. We, we want to be able to hire somebody yeah. that can do it right now the same way we do it and not even yeah. have to think about it. And that's exactly. Just, it's impossible. It's impossible. Yeah. And, and also, we're trying to put too much on automatic. Mm-hmm. So you can, and we do have clients now who get a GoPro or you know the iPhone, and now they are recording taking someone through it, mm-hmm. and then the person that they're training can go back and rewatch it. Yeah. The new people, they, they don't have to do that orientation again. The new people can just watch it. And of so course. you can use today's tools, but still, the bottom line is somebody's going to have to come back around, right. double-check it. Accountability. It's accountability. <laughs> Absolutely. And if they messed it up, then you don't fix their mess up. Yep. You bring them back, and if it's above their skill level, then you show them how you fix this mess up, mm-hmm. and then they're not going to make that mess up again. Love it. Yeah. That's so awesome. the, the apprenticing is huge, and that's how you can scale. That's awesome. That's how you can scale. Now, true... Like, there are certain things that I don't think many people can do as well as me. Right. All right. So, okay, I, I, can, I can grant that and certain things I may have to do. Yeah. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, pretty much most everything can – and let's even – like, let's say – like, one of my chiropractors, uh, they can close about 80% of the cases. 
and they have an associate that closes 60%. Mm-hmm. Now they're living with that because now they can spend more time with their family. Right. They jacked up the marketing. Right. We got more new patients, and that's how we're still going to end up with the same dollar amount of right. cases or whatever, the same number of visits. Of course. But then at the same time, concurrently, we're doing a training program to take the associate from 60% to 80%. Mm-hmm. So that's how you kind of like, you ride that wave. Right. Because there is an exchange of a little bit less performance Absolutely. so that you can have some time. Absolutely. And without so, that support, you'll never get the time. Without the support, then you're, you're trapped. Right. You Absolutely. really are trapped. Awesome. Well, this so, was this was great, Greg. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, um, thank you for having me. It's fun, fun work. Make sure you pick up that book on yes. Amazon. Um, I actually just recently started it myself, so excited <laughs> for that. Um, and is there any last words that you would tell us before we finish? Yeah, the last the last word I would say, and I really think you should have my daughter Abby on for okay. another podcast. Mm-hmm is uh, we were building Matterhorn with Fun at Work and our business development process, but then we connected with the author Mike Michalowicz mm. and his book Profit First. Awesome. And that is an entire small business cash flow management system. Awesome. And basically the general accepted accounting method is you receive your money, you pay your bills, and profit is what's left. And usually the machine chews up all the money. Right. And there's very little left for the owner. So in his concept is the money comes in and then the, the owner sets aside 5 or 10% per profit. The owner gets paid. We have to set aside for taxes because the government needs paid. And we're mm. going to have to run the company with what's left. Ah. And so it, it flips the script mm-hmm. and you take your profit first. And there's an entirely awesome cash management system. Yeah. And once we merged profit first with the Matterhorn Business Development System, the clients are just so happy. They have money in their accounts and they're paying their taxes and they're not, they're no longer, you know, taking out a savings to make payroll one week and like pretty much every entrepreneur has had to experience at least once. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So that's the the final thing that I'll end off with is uh, get my book Fun at Work, but also merge that with Profit First. And Abby will come on, and uh, I think she'd be a great Absolutely. guest for you because yeah. that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> it's a whole other conversation, but those two things are a magical formula of how we're getting incredible results during this incredibly crummy business environment, social environment, Absolutely. et cetera. So there's, there's still tons and tons of opportunity. <laughs>